umgoblue.com by fans for fans since 1999 hello welcome to this edition of the umgoblue.com podcast this is phil callahan along with clint derringer and we're going to talk about next week's game versus ohio state oh no wait we can't do that yet we're here to talk about michigan's resounding 59 to 18 victory over maryland on the road, well, Clint, what did you think about that one? Well, there were a lot of things, I think, that uh, you and I discussed that went about the way that we thought, but I was uh, probably most pleasantly surprised that there was really no conservative game plan on offense. They really, Gannis really you know, went after, you know, trying to, uh, trying to score as many points as possible, whereas I thought that it would, you know, they would be fine chewing up four to five yards a, a, a pop on the ground. Um, and, and Michigan actually passed the ball more than ran the ball in this game. So um, they did uh, they did expand a little bit on uh, what we saw from J.J. McCarthy. And uh, he had a good game. Kate had a good game. Uh, Haskins didn't even run for 100 yards, but still was, uh, was about 4.9 yards a carry. Was solid as ever. And... Uh, yeah, defense, offense, special teams all all found a way to get into the end zone. So it was it was a fun game to watch, definitely. And uh, it was uh, they answered the answered the bell. You know, took care of business and focused on the task at hand, like we were asking. Uh, you know, late last week, and uh, now we get to uh, you know now we get to move on to you know, biggest game of the year. I was very surprised. Looking at the stat sheet, I just expected, you know, when you see that Michigan had over 500 yards of offense and won 59-18, to 18, it felt like Haskins should have had, you know, 100, 125, 150 yards. I was really surprised that, um, as you mentioned, that, you know, not that 78 yards is anything to sneeze at. It just, it, I was surprised. What was interesting to me not only did Michigan just go all out scoring, but they did so with a number of different players. And I think that what I really appreciated, you know, and, and they talked about this a little bit, um, you know, I'd say on the radio broadcast that I tuned in for a little bit. You know, you the guys who play, you know, first and second string are the guys who get a lot of the attention. But everybody on the team practices just as much. And it was really nice to see some of these players who, you know, we haven't seen since the first or second week, have a chance to get in and actually succeed, right? So, again, it was a feel-good game. Um, it, it, You know, what I was laughing at is, you know, it had this feel in the third quarter that Michigan was just going to, you know, kind of cruise and, and take the win. And there was a about a three-minute stretch where it was almost as if Jim Harbaugh and Josh Gaddis were monitoring the collective angst of the Internet, right? Oh, here it is, 38-18. to 18. Oh, you know, they had Maryland down, and they're letting them slide back. And then very quickly, it, it just got silly, right? Again, in about in about a three minute stretch, they had 
a 77-yard pass from Cade McNamara to Donovan Edwards. Then you had D.J. Turner with a 42-yard interception. And then you had J.J. McCarthy, right, So with a five-yard run. So what was interesting is it, it just went from, okay, this is a, a, a nice conservative win to a dominating win. And, again, it was nice to see. It was nice to see so many players get involved. Um, it was def- definitely Donovan Edwards' coming out party, right? And, you know, he's one of those players who's highly regarded, and you wonder how much you're going to see him. And he just, just again, showed it running the ball, showed it catching the ball. And it's interesting because when I look at this, it appears to me that Michigan is peaking at the right time. And, you know, again, this game had the opportunity just to be kind of a ho-hum, you know, just kind of run the clock out. And, and again, they, uh, they, they struck back with, with, uh, with a furor. Yeah. And I thought that the, you know, special teams was particularly, you know, positive, you know, blocking the punt in the second quarter, was really kind of where where it swung for me, you know, where where it went from a whole home performance to really starting to pour it on. You know, they they scored four plays after blocking the punt, and uh, that pushed it from an eleven point game to an eighteen point game, and it was never back within two scores again. So, um, I thought, you know, the team, this team, the twenty one version of the Wolverines, really answered a lot of questions about their ability to travel and focus and, and play well in the, on the road. Obviously this uh, particular environment in college park is a little bit more hospitable to the Wolverines than, than some of the previous games. But I think this season for sure is the best that we've seen Michigan play on the road consistently and, and certainly the best um, bouncing back from, from adversity and, and being able to kind of pick up the pieces and still get the job done. So answered some major questions and, and really learned how to win games. And, and I think that's hugely valuable, not only for, for this team, but, you know, younger guys like J.J. McCarthy, Donovan Edwards, uh, Rod Moore on the defensive side, R.J. Moten. Those guys are going to be leaders in the future. And, and it's clear that they've got a good example of what it takes to to keep your guys focused on, on what needs to happen when you're traveling. So um, all in all, very positive performance. A little bit uh, concerning that Maryland was able to run the ball. I think I did not I did not expect Maryland to run as often as they did and uh, as successfully as they did. I that's probably a big part of the you know game planning. Uh, Michigan clearly um, focused on, on prioritizing stopping uh, the quarterback, Tunga Vailoa, from, from pushing the ball down the field. They did uh, pressure him pretty pretty frequently, um, but never really got any sacks. You know, they, they did cause him to kind of scramble around, and like we said, he, he threw the ball into coverage a couple times, and, and Michigan was able to not only – get their hands on the ball, but secure the interception and actually take it back to the house for points like you had mentioned. So all three phases, well done. Um, yet another uh, solid road performance. And uh, now it's time to uh, 
to really you know get out the measuring stick and, and see if if this team can take the next step um, and and go from really good to, to great by you know by by beating the Buckeyes and, and this is the first time at least in the Harbaugh era that uh, the game has this level of stakes and the game's going to be played in Ann Arbor so um, I'm, I'm already starting to get uh, starting to get really excited. So ever since Michigan lost the game to Michigan State, which, you know, and again, you keep going back to they led at 16 by 16 points in the second half and really had kind of an astonishing collapse. And at that point, I think this team had to make a decision about how they were going to play out the rest of the season, right? Um, and, you know, to a man, they all said, listen, we have a four-game season. Everything is still ahead of us, and but they had to take care of business. And, again, they have done it. And here we are. I, I don't think it's any secret. Um, you and I have talked about this all year. We try to stay focused on the next opponent. Try to fa- stay focused on the, the game at hand. But in the back of my mind all season was this game because – you know, it's like, okay, clear the plates. The appetizers are done. This is it. And again, you have to you have to not have that attitude every week. But the closer we've gotten, and the more that we've seen Michigan as a as an offense diversify. In the back of my mind was okay, but how's it gonna? How are they gonna match up against Ohio State? And you know, I think we'd be remiss in not mentioning that. Ohio State also took care of business this week, just absolutely smacking Michigan State by a score of 56-7 to down in the horseshoe. And that game, that resounding victory by Ohio State, has opened the door for Michigan, and all of their potential goals are ahead of them. You know, I always say there are three things that I look for when I'm judging a Michigan football coach. Have you beaten Ohio State? Have you won the Big Ten? And have you won a national championship? And the reality is, is that Rich Rod didn't do any of those things. Brady Hoke did one, beat Ohio State once. And as shocking as it is, Jim Harbaugh hasn't done it ever. And it's frustrating. And you look at this year, and it's all there. It's all ahead of them. And as you said, they get the game in the big house, and you know, we, as much as, you know, we wanted to see, I'm glad they took care of Maryland. As I'm watching the game, I'm like, yeah, but how is this going to relate to and impact the game versus Ohio State? Yeah, and I, th- I think they did everything that we, we could have asked for in re- in the Maryland game in, in relation to kind of setting themselves up for, for the Ohio State game, right? They did, they did show a couple new things. In, uh, in their passing attack, again, they, they expanded what how they want to use J.J. McCarthy as a weapon uh, on their offensive package. Um, the the kick return touchdown with, with Mike Barrett throwing it back across to uh, A.J. Henning for a touchdown is, is another thing that has to get prepared for now uh, in Columbus. So, I you know, what we were what we were talking about on our wish list of what we hoped would that we would see, I think we did see. Uh, you know, there's there's no shortage of of having to prepare for for the Buckeyes. 
Um, you know, but the game that that Ohio State played against Michigan State, you know, winning fifty six to seven uh, yesterday, is is really the cautionary tale. You know, because what happened in that game is that Ohio State jumped out to a lead and took the the Spartans out of their identity and who they want to be. You know, the, if if I would have told you that Kenneth Walker III would carry the ball six times in that game, right, you you would have known that something probably went went sideways for Michigan State. And that's that's exactly what happened. They had to go away from what had been the best for them, and uh, that is the trap that Michigan needs to be, stay out of. They have to be able to slow Ohio State down enough that they can answer and keep it you know, level or within one score into the second half. Because I'll tell you this, the, the pressure in this game is all on the Buckeyes. You know, in our fan base, there's a lot of consternation, right, and, and just beat Ohio State, and, and Harbaugh's never done it. Of course, I understand all of that. But in holistically in this game, the Ohio State side, they don't want to be the first team to lose to Michigan in – eight years, 10 years, whatever it's been, right? They don't want to be the, the, the first one to break the, to break the streak. You know, Ryan Day doesn't want to, uh, to put his name on the wrong side of the ledger, right, where, you know, Urban Meyer didn't have to and Trestle, you know, had, had such a great record. So I, I think that the, if you're playing well in, in this game against Ohio State, the, as it stays close and, and the game – pressure mounts and mounts and mounts it's going to really mount more on on the Buckeyes than it will on Michigan so you just you got to be able to go out there and 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 throw your haymakers push your put your best foot forward and let the chips fall where they may and if uh if Michigan plays well then there's there's no reason they can't win the game and I I don't I just hope that we're not hearing a lot of folks kind of packing it in and, and assuming that this game cannot be won because that is not the case. Michigan can win this game. They just, they do have to play um, the best that they've played. You know, they, they've been in striking distance against Ohio state with lesser teams than this, certainly. So um, they just have to uh, have to put it together and, and then your best players have to be able to step up in the key moments. And that's, that's what we'll be watching. So one thing that I looked at was that when Ohio State played Maryland, they won 66 to 17 at home. And Michigan won 59 to 18. Very close there. Now, you know, you, you can't really get into, you know, the theory of transitive with teams, but I did think it was interesting because I had looked that up before the game. And as Michigan started to climb and score, I said, man, they're going to match that. Almost uh, exactly. The other thing that's interesting to me is when I look at Ohio State's schedule and you look at, you know, as with Michigan, they play most of their games at home, which is a huge advantage. And when they've gone on the road, they've, I don't want to say struggled, but they've kind of come back to earth, right? So it's interesting to me, you know, everybody or many people want to look at the streak, okay? And one of the things you have to remember is this is a new team. 
And yes, some of these guys were around previous years, but the length of the streak doesn't impact these guys because they weren't part of the team. It's kind of like a, a sideshow, right? It's, it's kind of noise in the background. And I can tell you, not only does Ohio State not want to be the team to lose to Michigan after this huge run they've had, but every Michigan team wants to be the squad that, that beats Ohio State. And to beat Ohio State and the big house with everything on, with everything available, right, with everything um, ahead of them, I, I, I think this is going to be an amazing game. And, you know, we will do a podcast in a, in a few days where we actually preview the game, um, you know, our regular preseason. But, again, uh, looking at what Michigan did versus Maryland, they, they, did, they did everything we wanted. And it appears that we didn't get – we didn't have any severe injuries. And I want to give this team credit because I feel as if – in past years, if we had lost a player of um, Ronnie Bell's stature, somebody who was going to be a cornerstone, I'm not sure how long it would have taken the offense to readjust. And I feel as if it could have been a cloud hanging over the entire season. Likewise, a player like Blake Corum. And I think that we have to give this team appreciation and really recognize that while the offense has struggled here and there, they come in waves. Okay. I mean, Ronnie Bell was a number one receiver and it, you know, no disrespect, but, but he's been replaced. Okay. Next man up. And Blake Corum, who some people were touting as a potential Heisman candidate early in the season, because he looks so great. You know, Haskins has picked up the load, and Donovan Edwards has picked up the load. So I think what we have to look at is how deep this offense is. And it's something that, that's really, um, really impressed me, and what we saw ver- versus Maryland was another example of that. Yeah, yeah, I think what I would circle back to, you touched on a little bit, is uh, – the structure of the schedule, right? I mean, Michigan at this point has played five of their last seven games on the road. The home games that they got, Northwestern and Indiana, right? Two of the worst teams in the Big Ten. So this team, from a a mental challenge standpoint, has really stepped up to the plate and, you know, beat Wisconsin on the road, beat Nebraska on the road, should have beaten Michigan State on the road, played well enough to win but didn't finish. Right, beat Penn State on the road, beat Maryland on the road. Some of the most dangerous teams in the Big Ten, uh, Michigan has played uh, away from home. Right, the last time that there was a big game that was in the Big House was, was probably the second week against Washington, back when we thought Washington was going to be a, a challenger in the Pac-12. So there's a lot of pent up uh, energy uh, within the team, within the program within Ann Arbor and the fan base, right? That, that this is, there has not been a large game in the big house, you know, for, for three months. So there's all of that is really working, you know, toward, toward what Ohio state's walking into. And, and when you look at their schedule, they played four games on the road, 
they were at Minnesota to open the season and won by two scores. Then they were at Rutgers in the middle of the season, at Indiana, and also at Nebraska. So only one game, really, that stressed them on the road the same way that Michigan had to five in the last seven weeks with, with having to go to Lincoln. And guess what? They won that game by nine points, and, and Nebraska had a chance to win that in the fourth quarter. So the the way that this team, this Michigan team, has, has pulled together and the, the leadership within the locker room has stepped forward, I think is something really to be celebrated and is, is truly special uh, in comparison to you know teams of the past. And uh, that, no matter what happens, I think that that needs to be celebrated for, for these kids and this coaching staff. But also, I think that it is an underrated you know advantage for, for the how battle tested this team is compared to uh, the Buckeyes that are that are strolling into Ann Arbor next week. Absolutely. So is there anything, again, a great performance versus Maryland, and again, we've talked about the things we did see, is there anything that you would have liked to have seen um, considering how that they had the game well in hand in the fourth quarter? Nope. I think the the J.J. McCarthy stuff getting expanded was was number one for me. We did see a direct snap to Haskins. Um, wasn't successful, but but we did see that that's back into the arsenal. Um, Michigan's been much more successful in the in the red zone since that Michigan State game, right? Uh, this particular team, I, I was looking at it in comparison to the other teams in terms of uh, finishing drives. They're back up to four point seven eight points um, when they cross the forty which is pretty much right on their average uh, under Gaddis. You know, they were actually 4.85 last year in the shorter season. But in 2019, Gaddis's first year, they were 4.77. And again, 4.78 this year. So they've, they've kind of pulled back um, to even with where they've been these last few weeks. They've been more efficient in the red zone. And I think a big part of that is – Okay, I, I think in the red zone they've they've really loosened it up and started throwing the ball when they've still got some space out you know between the 15 and the 25 yard line. Cade's been been very good through the air. McCarthy's been able to throw it down there. So um, they've done everything that I wanted to see. It, it's just a matter now of taking all the positives that they've uh, that they've shown uh, this last week against Maryland and before that, and uh, you know putting together a solid game plan and uh, putting a scare into the Buckeyes and challenge them to, to answer the bell when they're under the duress. So we saw Blake Corum warmed up. Do you think with how well the offense has been going, do you think they need to bring him back against Ohio State or should they save him for a potential appearance in the Big Ten championship game and, and beyond? Well, if he's available to play running back and he is um, able to do everything physically that he normally can do, then he should play because he's dangerous, right? If he he's a, a home run threat, um, it's also going to be interesting to see, you know, which run plays they choose um, between Haskins and Corum. Where I still think that they they might have some opportunity to run some some more off the edge outside against the Buckeyes, 
um, where we started to see them running some of that outside zone uh, right before Corum got hurt against Indiana. So I, I say if he's available, he should play. Um, if he cannot play, it, it was really reassuring to see that Donovan Edwards uh, has the ability to step in there and bring the same kind of home run threat and make the defense account you know, for all the space of the field, both sideline to sideline. We saw that swing pass out to, to Donovan Edwards do some damage, and then also vertically where he, he caught the ball on a wheel deep. So, um, I think if Corum's available, you got to play him because he, he brings that, uh, that, that home run potential uh, that, that Ohio State has to be aware of when they're on the field. Um, but if he cannot go, it's uh, it's great to know that that Donovan Edwards is ready and is also um, looking like he's going to be a major threat in the passing game, um, like what like maybe what we wanted Chris Evans to be uh, in previous teams. So I, I say he should play if uh, if he's capable, and I'm sure if he's capable, he'll he'll be chomping at the bit to get back in there. All right. Well, we will reconvene to specifically preview the Ohio State game at our next podcast. That's going to do it for this edition of the UMGoBlue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with Clint Derringer. Go Blue! Thank you for listening to the UMGoBlue.com podcast. All rights reserved. Search for UMGoBlue.com on iTunes. Go Blue!